Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 129 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. And what's going on with you this week? A week. Um, it's probably been one of the weird weeks, like just consistency. Like every day I've been getting done work around 3, 3.30. Um, it's like Easter holidays, so soccer-wise, everybody's kind of away. So practices have been kind of um low key nothing much um just got my hair cut got a wedding this friday um excited for that um congrats scott and morgan i'll say that up front but um yeah today was kind of a a bad end to the week i guess if you want to say our weeks go wednesday to wednesday with this chelsea uh, it's the opposite for you because we just ended those four wednesday games we included in this week um we had Chelsea lose to Arsenal in a really exciting game to watch. I mean, if you're a, a neutral, six goals, that's crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think overall it was a good week, um, soccer-wise and just in general in life. I don't know. How about yourself? Uh, it was fine, you know. I, I didn't really do much. Um, you still playing golf a lot? Yeah, not as much this week. I played a lot last week because it was so nice. Yeah, um, but it. I know, it was... know Friday is going to be good too. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually playing Friday. Um, my brother and I met this old older guy. Um, who has like a timeshare down where we live. We met him uh-huh. like we got paired up with him one time and um, exchanged numbers. We played a couple times, um, and he's a he's a pretty good player he doesn't hit it a long way and he really liked playing with us because we do hit it a long way um and he you know it's it's kind of nice like when you go out there you shoot a similar score but you play two totally different styles of golf like sometimes it's it's really um interesting to play with somebody that just has a different philosophy on the game as you and he enjoyed that and so did we so he uh he sent me a text He's like my dad's age. He sent me a text. Yeah, I was going like, to say, it seems like it. Yeah. Um, and he texted me and was like, hey, I have a tea time you know, at the club that, that I belong to. Do you guys want to come out and play? And thankfully, uh, my brother and I aren't doing anything. So we're going to play Sick. with him Friday. Yeah, it should be, should be fun. Yeah, you, usually you guys don't like randoms and stuff. Just yeah, no. playing-wise, you guys are pretty... You guys like staying amongst yourselves. We do. And... Um, as I've as I've played more and gotten more comfortable with my game, you know, be more uh, confident in your ability. Yeah, more comfortable with my misses. I know where I'm gonna miss it. Um, I'm just more confident. And now, I mean, over the past uh, three or four months, I play way better in front of a crowd. Um, you know, just just I feel way more confident when there's somebody else uh, with their eyes on me, watching me. I feel like I need to perform, and it actually is is something that kind of gives me a boost. So um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I haven't played with a guy in a couple months now, so it, it should be a good time. Um, have but you guys I, been playing with, like, people up your ass, or have you guys been pretty spaced out? It's been pretty spaced out last week. Um, yeah, because it seems like whenever I play with you guys, we're all, always in a rush. Yeah, we – yeah. Well, and it has – it usually is that way because by the time we, you know, all get out there, it's usually um, – you know, either spring or summer or one of the shoulder seasons, you know, in the fall when it's still warm. In January, you know, the only people out there are fucking people that are grinding, you know, that are really trying to get better right. and, and improve yeah. their game. 
um, or people that are retired and have nothing else better to do. So in the winter, it's not really a big deal. You know, there's, there's not really a lot of people, um, you can take your time. If I go out there alone, I'll play two balls. Like, you know, it's not really much of a big deal. And and that's where you get your confidence. That's where you get familiar with who you are as a player, what your philosophy on the game is. And, you know, I, I study a lot. I, I try and, um, just, get myself into a better uh space before i go out and play so uh, i'm happy with with how i've been shooting recently uh i know that there's still room for improvement but uh i'm liking the way that my game is trending so i'm excited um there was one more thing that i was going to say and i lost it um so i guess we'll we'll go ahead and get into uh, some of these games we have where where are we? Tottenham Brighton is that the first game we have? Yep, on the sixteenth. Okay. I will say, uh, record wise, this week I went six and five. Today was a big savior there. Yeah. And uh, opposite for you, you went three and eight. Oh. Struggled us. Yeah. You hate to see it. Um, you know, I had so many there, good there weeks. Were, there were three or three or four of those games in the ninetieth minute, the little closing minutes that just like just you Slept. got hooked. I know. Yeah. It happens to me often. It's been happening to me a lot in actual betting too, and it's yeah. it's been a tough few weeks, very yeah. <laughs> challenging. Um, I've been taking a big break from gambling, and I've been pretty chill, nothing yeah. stressful. I mean, I had a great opening day. I won like eight hundred bucks on opening day, and then since then, I withdrew that money immediately because I knew if I kept betting on baseball, it would disappear. I left a little bit in, and it did in fact disappear. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and jump into this game. Tottenham nil, Brighton one. <sighs> I mean, what is there to say? This is peak Spurs. It's peak Spurs. When you start to get confident, when you start to believe in them, they go out and they do this. This was just an all-around Awful game from Spurs. I mean, there was maybe two chances where I felt like they could genuinely score. They were both they both came on the right edge of like the eighteen. Had a couple of dribbles into the six. Um, you know, one was Lucas and the other one was Hoyberg, I think. That was the two times they got loose and had an opportunity to get the ball into the middle of the box the entire game. Brighton had them absolutely befuddled with a the press. They outmatched them. They were just so, so good pressing. Their energy levels were way higher. They played like they wanted to win points, and they took all three in this one. Uh, Leandro Trossard scored in the 90th minute. I had shut the game off at this point because I was so yeah. disgusted with the way the Tottenham were playing. They looked so tired. Um, just not in it. Kulisevsky could not insert himself into the play whatsoever. Kane was lost. And Son had one chance to to get on the end of one, but uh, took an extra touch and just just couldn't get it where it needed to be. So I think this was an abysmal performance from Tottenham. This is an, an a cakewalk. You know, Arsenal just lost to Brighton. This is a chance for you to get all three against Brighton and and jump up the table. You know, really secure your spot. Um, and they they did they just did not come out to play here. And Conte was very animated, very upset. Um, and I think, you know, upset for a good reason because this is a, a terrible result. Yeah, I mean, credit to Brighton. They got two massive results in a row, like you mentioned, against the two North London clubs. Um, when I look at this formation setup, I think 
Tottenham don't play a lot of teams um, as often in this type of shape with the three with three five two kind of thing. So they kind of matched up with the wing backs. Um, Trossard getting the goal at left wing back and Lamptey putting in a good shift on the other end. Um, and then also to compensate for that as well, not having the on paper the quality that Tottenham do, they slip in three of those midfields midfield roles in there to kind of outmatch the two for Tottenham. So um, that that was kind of their counterbalance there. It kept them in the game. Getting a halftime nil nil was a big confidence booster, as well as not letting them have any shots on target. That's massive for um for those guys to have confidence going into the second half. And mm-hmm. it seems like Brighton a lot of the times this year they're one of the teams that lead the the closing minutes of games they they've earned a lot of points this year in like the last five to ten minutes in matches um coming down to fitness and just uh momentum really so i think they did <clears throat> in those two games in particular um not counting the one today against city they just knew their style and they matched up well and um it, i guess it's like your method with tottenham it's uh they have a couple good weeks and then that that week you think it's going to continue that's when they drop off um they won four straight games, um, and the one being against Brighton as well. So um, they don't win too often that, that many times in a row. So it was kind of a, a, a counterbalance, if you will, there to level them out. And now they're level on points with Arsenal going in with six games left. Yeah. Um, and with Tottenham, you know, there's in the NBA, there's a theory called the zigzag that works really well. Uh, with Tottenham, it's zig, zig, zigzag. Like, they'll have a couple of good ones in a row, and then they're due for a loss. A couple of good ones in a row, and they're due for a loss. It's just, it, it's so hard, because sometimes it's two games, sometimes it's three games. Um, but there's always disaster lurking around the corner with Spurs. Like, they're not going to go nine games in a row unbeaten. It just doesn't happen anymore. Um, so, yeah, this was this was a nasty one. This one cost me some coin, and um, I'm clearly still upset about it. Uh, let's move on. Manchester United 3, Norwich City 2. It's kind of disappointing regardless <sighs> of the result for United. Um, I mean, the way... It's if bad. You don't even If you don't even have to look at the scoreline, if you look more in-depth into the stats and if you actually watch the game and uh, all the openings that Norwich had, yep. um, a lot of the times you don't see them have that much freedom on the ball and especially on the counterattacks when those fullbacks get caught out, um, Maguire and Lindelof are kind of exposed and United just don't have enough defensive middies healthy at this moment as well as when they're fully fit to compete uh, all the way 90 minutes um, to compensate for those wingbacks getting up higher, kind of how Liverpool does. Yeah. Um, they have Fabinho to cover up those gaps who does a phenomenal job, whereas United, you have um, Fred and McTominay, who aren't the healthiest right now, and then uh, backing them up is Matic, who's at the peak, well, at the tail end of his career here in the league, and and Pogba, but now he's back to the IR list. Um, I don't yeah. know. I have to look into his injury, because he got subbed off in their latest game, like 10 minutes in against Liverpool, but yep. they just don't have the... they don't have the the personnel to to make up for those gaps, I guess. And uh, especially after Tuesday against Liverpool, you see just the amount of media attention they get, the amount of hate they get, and just pressure on them. And most of those people, those pundits in that are United fans, so it's personal for them. 
Well, um, they, I think they deserve it. I mean, a lot of the pundits are ex-players, and the reason that they're pundits is because they were so good and they know the game so well and they played for a yeah. club that knew the game so well. And to be fair... I don't think I think the the media attention that United get is is warranted. I mean they're they're one of the biggest clubs in the world and especially in England. And this is not this is not United. This is not the way that they should ever be playing. It's yeah. it's gross. I think that's why, like, I think that's why everybody's disappointed is from where they've fallen from. Yeah, it's it's gross. I mean, kind of how Arsenal was in the early two thousands. Yeah, and I mean, we see them slandered, uh, you know, often. It's not so much that anymore. They've moved on to to United, but like, this is bad. This was a bad, bad game. I'm gonna run over the stats here for you. Um, Ronaldo scored in the seventh and the thirty second. Uh, Kieran Dowell in stoppage time of uh, the first half. He scored in the 45th. And then Timu Puki in the 52nd. It was 2-2 heading into uh, the latter half of the game. But thankfully, uh, Ronaldo scored in the 76th minute. And United were able to at least lock Norwich down for you know the last 25 of the game. They took all three points. But this is a, ba- this is a terrible game. Awful game. Ronaldo is ha- has to do so much work, and when he's not in there, then they really struggle. Thankfully, he was there to do everything in this game. Sancho has looked better, but still, I don't think he's really at where he could be at. Ilanga, I don't think we really can blame. Um, you know, he's young. He's really young. He just came into the side. He doesn't necessarily fit. Um... Lingard, it's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame that he's uh, at United still because I think that he could do a real job uh, somewhere else. I mean, we saw how he performed for West Ham last year. I think maybe we'll see him move on. I, I, I'd like to see him at a team like Newcastle. Uh, I think he'd, he'd do really well there. And then that back line is just nasty. Uh, we should give credit to Norris for staying in the game, getting two goals. They don't score a lot. Uh, Pookie's looked good in the past two weeks. And I think, you know, they, they definitely did try their best to say in this game, 15 shots for Norwich, uh, four of those on target, held 40% of the possession, just nine shots on target for, not just nine, but nine shots on target for United with 20 shots total. Um, and I mean, it was, it was the Ronaldo show to one man team right now. And this is, is just a, a really nasty way, uh, to be watching United. Yeah, I mean, um, Puki probably has the most goals he scored in a in a Premier League campaign. I think he's at ten goals now, which is is um, a good tally, especially for a team in the relegation zone. Um, yeah, I mean, Ronaldo putting on that hat trick show, the third goal from a free kick, um, his fiftieth career club hat trick, sixtieth um, overall, counting internationals as well. I mean, I mean, the more I watch United, and I just focus on Maguire like just the more mistakes I see and just the pockets of space around those guys is very apparent and teams can capitalize on that more often than not um compared to if you watch any other top team in England um just the way they cover up these gaps is a lot better and I think just uh Roy Keane said just the culture he wants to know what the culture is like not only with these players but how they're bringing up the young guys and, and the youth. And it seems like everybody's just mentally checked out. And a lot of those guys are, 
their contracts are expiring and Ragnick's moving to the front office. Thank um, God. Um, I think everybody's just moving on from this. So it's really sad to see um, not just the club, but just these players just mentally are just checked out. And maybe some of them don't think they're the problem, but I mean, they've been there for so many years and it's been like this. So obviously there is a certain amount of blame they need to be responsible for and take account. So um, they're going to limp their way to the to the end here and, I would say most likely get a European spot, but um, I don't know how much it's deserved. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that it is deserved, and I think that they're going to probably have to bring in at least 10 guys, sell and buy 10 different players. No, oh, I mean, that, that's the plan. That's, that's, a, that's a full makeover. Do they not need it? I mean, yeah, I mean, personally, I would say... I would say 80 to 90% of the teams in this league would love that. But I mean, it's just very uncommon to move all those players with all that money. I think um, a lot, a lot, especially at United, these guys are getting paid such high wages. Not a lot of teams in not only in the, in the Premier League, but in Europe in general, aren't going to pay them what they've been getting paid at United. They're yeah. inflated wages. I mean, Pogba has to go. I think the entire back line has to go besides Varane. That's five players. Lingard should go six. The rest of them can stay, but Ronaldo will be gone in another year, I would imagine. I, I just don't see him staying here, especially with the massive project that they're going to have to begin. Uh, Ten Hag coming in. I don't know if he's going to like Ten Hag. I, I don't know. There's a lot of work to be done at Manchester United. Um, and I, I'm, I'm excited to see how it pans out. You know, it, It'll be nice for a couple more years of, of United being absolute shit. Uh, fuck Ralph Ragnick too. I mean, uh, so many people told me that this guy was going to come right in, slot in and be a great manager. Um, you know, it, it's great to see them all just looking like complete fools. You know, uh, what, what the fuck's this guy qualified to do? He's he, maybe, maybe he's qualified to be in the front office. Sure. Whatever the fuck anybody can do that. He's not a manager. And I don't know why as United, you would bring in. This is their second interim manager now who's had essentially a full-time job in a row. Neither of them were qualified. So as far as I'm concerned, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. This is what they deserve, and it's great. Uh, Watford 1, Brentford 2, Brentford Bees getting themselves another three points here at Watford in the doldrums of the league. Brentford now sitting on 39 points in 12th place. They have four wins in their last five, three wins in their last three. Uh, Watford in 19th on 22 points with only one win in their last five. They now have three losses on the spin. This one <clears throat> was started off with a Christian Norgard goal in the 15th. Emmanuel Dennis scored in the 55th. And then Pontus Janssen got one stoppage time at the end of the game 95th minute to take all three points for Brentford great goal at the end there great result for Brentford statistically this game was very very close 16 shots for Brentford 17 for Watford five shots on target for the bees four for Watford and the possession split 49 to 51 uh, in Watford's favor I mean these teams essentially played a mirror match um very similar, not very similar, identical formations, uh, four four threes, traditional four four three. Femenia and Kamara playing a little bit more of a high line than Ayer and Henry, but 
Um, ultimately, just like a really, really solid match between the two sides. Brentford just edged them. It wasn't a, a an extremely uh, fascinating game to watch, but every once in a while, it's nice to tune in uh, to one of those lower half of the table uh, battles. And it was nice to see Brentford get the points here. I'm glad that they're going to stay up because I think with a couple signings, they could uh, they could be solid again next year. Yeah, this was one of those games you got boned in the 95th. You had the draw there. We both yep. faded Brentford. I thought maybe Watford could get something done here. Um, this is Watford. They're only the third team to lose 10 consecutive um, top-flight home games in a row. Um, and Roy Hodgson is the first manager to lose his first five home Premier League games in charge um, since Chris Ramsey with QPR in 2015. So... Um, and the, the thing I saw with the highlights in that was just set pieces, man. Like yeah. there is no responsibility and nobody taking account for just where to be marking wise. I don't know if they were playing man to man or zone or a mix, but it was just all over the place. And that's where both goals came from Brentford. And it's just really poor in the 95th minute as well for something like that to happen. Um, credit to Brentford. They're putting the ball in the right areas of the, of the, of the box in these situations, but um, yeah, Watford just aren't doing a good enough job to commit and really um, challenge in those areas where they need to, to really earn points because this area of the table, it doesn't have to be the prettiest thing. Just get it out of there. I mean, if you to sustain this league in this area, you need to, you need to lay your body on the line and sometimes you're going to take a big hit for it, but it's all about staying in this league and getting the most exposure as a player to, um, play at the highest level and be considered um, one of the best in the in the world, really. So um, it's tough to see from there as a competitor to not close these games out um, because we, we we've mentioned like Dennis scored here. Um, I think that's eleven goals for him now in the league, and yep. we mentioned Pookie before. There's guys, there's, there's talent here. It's just they can't fully express themselves to the fullest because the whole squad as a whole isn't up to par to stay in this league. So um, disappointing for Watford. Brentford now in top form right now. Their last six games, they're um, second in the league table, only behind Liverpool, um, earning 15 points, whereas Liverpool have earned 16. So they're flying right now. I mean, and they've been doing it against top quality teams. Um, We mentioned Chelsea, West Ham, um, and uh, big wins against all the teams in this area of the table as well. They're beating all the relegation teams too. So um, they're getting the job done against teams. They should, as well as earning strong points against teams that uh, ideally people don't think they have a chance against. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Let's move on. Um, oh yeah. This is one to forget. Southampton won Arsenal nil uh, in a game, which Arsenal <laughs> truthfully battered Southampton uh Southampton take all three points. I would just like to start this off by saying Fraser Forster only yeah. only in the last five years shows up against Arsenal. I have vivid memories for five probably eight fixtures of this guy being the most acrobatic keeper, making the most unbelievable saves that I've ever seen. If you yeah. if you put Fraser Forster versus Arsenal against De Gea's best performance, Fraser Forster might win. He really might. The guy was fucking 
incredible on the day. Easily the man of the match, in my opinion. He made three or four unreal saves that he had no business making and that he wouldn't make against any other team. But let's break in. Uh, Jan Bednarek with the sole goal in the 45th minute. Really sloppy defending. Um, ball just got like kicked overhead back in El Yunusi tapped it into the middle of the box and Bednarik finished. I mean, creative goal. Um, have to give credit to El Yunusi. Really great touch there. Um, but Arsenal were a much better team on the day. Saka had a couple chances. Um, Odegaard had a couple chances. Martinelli had a chance and Katia had a chance. This, this game could have been three. Uh, probably 3-0. That that goal shouldn't have happened for Southampton, but it wasn't. Southampton took all three. They only had nine shots. Uh, three of those were on target. They held 24% of the possession. Arsenal with 76%, six shots on target, and 23 shots total. I mean, I the, after the first 45 minutes, I thought this was, you know, I was just certain that Arsenal would come out and get their goal, sit back, and hopefully just emerge 1-0 victorious, but... Um, yeah, it was just, well, not after 45, but after 40 minutes, the Bednar goal was a real spine breaker. Um, this was a, this was an upsetting game to watch because I think Arsenal really needed this win. And now that I know that they would have beaten Chelsea, maybe they wouldn't have beaten Chelsea if they beat Southampton, but, um, those points were extremely important and they didn't get them. Yeah, it's tough. Hindsight's twenty twenty, yeah. but um, they they moved on and got the job done. The next one, but yeah, this one's disappointing. You mentioned Forster. It was one of those games where um, one player just played out of his socks, and unfortunately, it was the goalkeeper. So um, he kept them in and gave the team uh, a big morale boost and momentum to close the game out. Um, very tough, especially when you look at the stats. How how dominant Arsenal were with possession and their chances on goal. So. Um, yeah, we can now. We know now they moved on and, and forgot about this. But um, yeah, it's disappointing. And for Southampton, it was a huge win. Um, they were they were on putrid form the lap their lap the previous five before this with four defeats and a draw and um, dropping points to teams they should be earning points against realistically. But um, they bounce back here and things level out for them and they they're they're competing now for a top half finish. There's about like five or six teams. Within like three, three to four points of each other there, from ninth to fifteenth. So, yep. um, they're going to be competing for some prize money. The higher up they finish, the more money they'll get. So, yeah. Um. Okay. Let's move on. Fuck Fraser Forster forever, dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, f- literally forever. I I want it on my fucking tombstone. Uh, Newcastle two, Leicester City one. The fucking choke artists, the Foxes, are back at it again. They went up 1-0 in the 19th minute. Adam Ola Lookman with a great goal. Uh, Leicester led for only 11 minutes when new signing Bruno Guimaraes got on the score sheet for the first time for his new club. It meant so much to him. You could see it in his celebration. A really solid performance from him on the day. He added another in stoppage time. 95th minute goal to take all three for Newcastle. Um, statistically, I would say that uh, Newcastle had the better chances, 16 shots, seven on target versus Leicester's eight and two. 
they did only hold 31% of the possession, but they were very toothy when they did have the ball. Daka up top for Leicester. Dewsbury Hall, Tielemans behind him, so two really good guys behind. Lookman and Iose Perez out on the left and right. Um, in terms of the way that <clears throat> Newcastle lined up, Chris Woods, St. Max, and Almiron leading their front line. Jolinton, Shelby, and Guimaraes behind them. Uh, I didn't know if you saw <laughs> John Joe Shelby's quotes about Newcastle, but he said they were going to be like PSG, Real Madrid, and uh, Manchester City in the next uh, three years. I mean, with all that money, anything's possible. But it's, I suppose. I mean, it, it, they're not going to be able to move. If that's the case, the whole starting eleven is going to be gone. Yeah. Um, if it's like that, but um, maybe maybe Bruno Guimaraes will yeah, be. Yeah, he's good. He's there. great. So maybe I don't think St. Max is at that level. He doesn't have the numbers no. to represent that. And no, he'll be moved to I'm, Burnley. Who knows? I mean, him and Cornet, that'd be a crazy oh pairing God, up so there. so much pace, yeah. With uh, Weghorse. I don't know. We'll see who the new manager is at Burnley. Maybe he'll go three up front and do that, but um, that'd, that'd be, be crazy. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, choke artist. Leicester, I think this is the 15th game that they've dropped in the last five to ten minutes of the match. This one, as well as the next one we get to, they lose more points, so um, it's tough. I mean, especially on the road, too. The Just the crowd's against you. Everybody's against you, pretty much. And it's quite a journey for them up to the, the, the cold north of England. So um, it's a brutal one for them, especially with all these games in hand they're wasting. And uh, Newcastle do rank second from the bottom when it comes to possession. They average um, 39% a game. So they're completely fine with not having the ball. Um, they have the speed and the tempo on the counterattack which they they uh dominate and that's just they they know that's how eddie howe's happy with those guys playing yeah so it's it's nice and they have they have absolute massive dudes in the back um dan Byrne and matt target there on the left side have come in and done an amazing job um we've gotten to a point in the year where we forget they have kieran trippier he just had a bad injury um he adds a massive dynamic to them especially on set pieces so, I mean, they could definitely be higher up the table if Trippier has been healthy. But, um, yeah, this was the result that, um, once again, you got hooked. You had a draw here. <laughs> yeah. um, it's tough. But, um, yeah, it's huge for them. They win this game. Um, and the next one we'll get to as well. They, they capitalize on that too. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, Leicester, they've just never been. It's like how Liverpool was last year or the previous year, whenever they had all their injuries. But um, they were just, they've just never been at 100% um, for a fair amount of time this year where they can get their main 11 to 14 guys consistently getting minutes week after week to get some, some chemistry and consistency under their belts. So um, they're doing their best. They're, ca- they're doing the best they can, but at the end of the day, it only matters uh, if they're winning or not. So yeah. And credit to Eddie Howe. I mean, he has these guys playing really, really well. Didn't have a lot of time to get things up and running, and he's done a tremendous job. I mean, Newcastle have been so good since he's come in. Yeah, um, we forget they were in the relegation battle yeah. the first first couple months of the year, and they've been they've been really really good. So credit to him. Storied club. I mean, you know, a lot of history. Had some unbelievable players uh, far before our time. So it's good to see Newcastle uh, performing, even if the money is filthy. But doesn't matter. Um, West Ham won. Burnley won a tough game. 
a terrible injury. Did you see the Westwood injury? I briefly saw it. It was it was it um Velasovic. Yeah, Velasovic. it was a complete Man. it was a complete accident. I mean, like yeah. he was Velasovic was crying. It was it was awful, dude. Westwood's ankle was spun. It was like how uh, three sixty spin. Huming's son injured the one player. Go- Gomez. Uh, it was Andre Gomez, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, for Everton a couple years ago. Oh, it was the same reaction it, and everything. It was bad. I mean, it was it was a really tough scene. Not something you want to see. Um, but the game, you know, wound up going uh, going in the way that both teams had to split the spoils. Weghorst got on the board early for Burnley. Every time I talk about a player, they get involved the next week. Um, he scored in the 33rd minute. And then Suchek rescued a point for West Ham in the 74th. My takeaways, I'm not going to get into the stats in this one. I will say West Ham were a more dominant team, and Burnley were probably lucky to not concede a second goal. But I want to just go out there and say that West Ham's offense has uh, severely dried up, not scoring nearly as many goals as they were in the early part of the season. I mean, we watched them beat Liverpool at Anfield at one point. Um, Yeah. Really tough. Antonio, his goal production has dropped off a fucking cliff. Lanzini not been great. He's been okay. But um, they've had no choice to sort of move Fornals out of that starting lineup. He did come on here. Uh, We're not seeing as much uh, of Kufal. uh, Not seeing anything really of Yarmolenko. Uh, and they put Vlasic in here. You know, they did sign him. He he's he's okay, but not getting a ton of production out of him either. So this is one of those reverse uh, things with United, where they have a lot of attacking midfielders. Uh, West Ham have a lot of really good defensive midfielders. I think Bowen's good going forward, but I think centrally he's um, at his best. And Declan Rice and Suchek are two of the best defensive midfielders in the Prem, in my opinion. Uh, if you combined United's team and West Ham's team, you'd have a world-class team because the, the strengths are, are pretty much polar opposite. Um, just a really tough result for for Burnley. I'm sure that after they, they went up uh, 1-0, they were, they were trying to get all three, but they just ultimately couldn't do it. And I'm sure West Ham were, were looking for more in this one. I was shocked with this result because it was the result I picked um i i got my first west ham dub in a while um i was shocked um but yeah i mean the injury was heartbreaking to see you never want to see that but um credit to burnley i mean that was a massive point for them against a team that um they really struggled to get it and um it wasn't enough because everton matched them with their result today um so they didn't make up any ground and that's where these they need to push forward and commit more bodies and it's going to leave them vulnerable vulnerable but it's what it's what needs to be done because um you have to stay in this league we touched on it with other teams you, with Watford earlier you have to because um staying in this league is everything not only as a professional and yeah, competitiveness but also for the club as a financial when it comes to TV ad ad money between uh whatever it is, $190 million compared to the championship. You're only getting paid maybe a four, uh, like three-tenths of that or something. So um, it's it's everything to these clubs. So um, a point's good, but it's not enough. And West Ham, when it comes to competing in Europe, we're 
week after week, touching on them, slowly dropping off week after week, even when United, Arsenal, and Tottenham are dropping points. But um, when West Ham needs to capitalize, they just aren't hitting the mark. So um, now they're five points off fifth or fourth um, with a game um, with other teams having games in hand on them too. So um, they're putting themselves in a tough situation, but to close the year, um, a lot of the games they have remaining are these teams in this area of the table. So they still have, they still have their fate in their hands a little bit. So um, historically, if we look the last two years, this, uh, this time of the year hasn't been kind to them. With David Moyes, he hasn't been seen as a closer to really get his guys going with these final weeks in the season. So it'll be interesting to see if it's different this time of the year. Um, but I have to agree with you. It's just the the front end of the pitch is just drying up a bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's move on. We had... Oh, this was Liverpool United. Yeah. There's not much to say here other than United again getting clowned. Uh, Luis Diaz opened the scoring in the fifth minute. I mean, he was on it from the start. Mohamed Salah getting himself on the score sheet in the 22nd. Sadio Mane got one in the 68th, and then Mohamed Salah again in the 85th minute, ending his goal drought, which we knew would end at some point. Liverpool all over United exposed that back line, as I'm fairly certain everybody would have expected. Basaka and Delo played a little bit higher in this one. Phil Jones in the middle of the park. What a shocking lineup. Uh, Matic and Pogba in the middle, but the Pogba was injured. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it. Definitely wasn't really that injured. Uh, he came off in the 10th minute. Fernandez and Alonga played behind Rashford. Uh, no Ronaldo in this game. Unfortunately, um, Ronaldo lost. Uh, he just had twins, and um, one of the children unfortunately passed away uh, not very long after uh, he was born. So one of Ronaldo's sons unfortunately passed away. He was not in the team here. Uh, I'm sure he and his family are, are currently grieving, and uh, that's that's terrible to hear. Um the Liverpool fans sang, and uh, I saw today that Ronaldo and his wife said that they would never forget that gesture. So that was that was cool to see, uh, a little bit of class. Kind of something that's been lost in today's game, I feel, a lot of times. So that was cool. Um, but unfortunately, uh, Liverpool did, did not uh, hold any punches in this one. I mean, they battered United. Uh, it was it was a tough game. Fabinho bossing it in the midfield, just controlling every single pass. Thiago looked great. Um, his range, his passing range, is just so crazy. What a signing by them. He's he's been injured a lot, but when he's in the team, he's just so good. Um, and then Henderson just didn't have to do all that much work. So um, this was this was an easy one. I think everybody knew that it would go to Liverpool, but. Uh, the aggregate score for United Liverpool this season is 9-0 in Liverpool's favor. Yeah, I mean, um, the last 10 meetings between these two teams at Anfield, the aggregate is 30-2. Jesus! Um, I saw that stat there. I mean, that's just something you never want to see as a United fan because this is a derby and this is between two teams that are historically been the peak of the Premier League. So, um, I mean, we, we said this in our prediction. I mean, just the the gap between these two teams in 
how they play and the philosophy they play under is just it's just astronomical um you see they were not even just on this pitch but uh the recruitment side of things since Klopp's joined in 2015 um and the various managers United have had in those years probably four to five managers um between Moyes, Van Hall, um Ragnick, Giggs, Mourinho, I mean just there was never a Oh, Giggs, I forgot about that. There was never like a set philosophy and like there was never just a cultural thing that was set in the club regardless of the manager um Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool have been financially smart and have been um very practical in who they're bringing into the club and who fit the mold and the the manager's philosophy of the game um ideally and uh when it comes to United they're making big market moves uh, splashing the cash on players that um, some you would think would make an instant impact and others that you would maybe have a little bit of questions behind uh, with the price tag. Um, and nine times out of ten, those players don't live up to that to that uh, monetary value. Um, and it's really tough. Um, I mean, some of the goals that were scored in this game were um, unbelievable. Um, Salah's first one in the 22nd, just the, the quick intricate play i think eight players touched the ball for yep. liverpool in the build-up and um just the casual nonchalant pass from Ma- mane over the back shoulder um and just sala getting in front of dello just it's just uh you're kind of we're kind of spoiled at a point to where man city and liverpool are um playing at such a high level of uh, in the game that uh, it's almost impossible for these teams to keep up. Um, and it hasn't solely been about spending the most money, which, to credit, these teams do spend a quite a bit of money, Man City more than Liverpool, but they've built around key figures in the team and that have helped each other and and um, enhanced their, their skills, not just alone, but as a group. and. It's just, it's been a development. It hasn't been like a Real Madrid. We're going to buy all the biggest names and let them play together and let it show. It's just been a slow growth um, with Guardiola and, and Klopp. And um, it just emphasizes their, their vision of the game. And it's just something we need to really um, be grateful for. And it's not going to be there for a while because obviously these players want to get paid and um, the clubs ultimately won't be able to pay them all this much, and it's kind of similar to like the Messi-Ronaldo thing. We're living in a time where we're watching some of the best people play the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, just my main takeaway in this game is just you, before the whistle, you just saw the difference in the mentality in these players' body language, really, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on. I saw today, um, while I'm pulling up this next game, somebody said that <clears throat> United are just a club with absolutely zero identity. And yeah. I, I think that's true. They they really don't. They just have no identity whatsoever. And that's it's a tough way to uh to go about playing and to go about uh especially playing in these huge games against teams that 
have identities that are just so well defined at this point. You know what I mean? It's uh, it just puts you at such a, a massive disadvantage. So, uh, I have this next game pulled up: Everton one, Leicester City one. Harvey Barnes got Leicester off to a running start in the fifth minute when <clears throat> he slotted home for the Foxes. It wasn't until the 92nd minute when good old Rich Arlison scored uh, and drew Everton level. The game ended there. No more goals. A point to each team in this one. A goal to each team. Uh, 11 shots for Leicester, 13 for Everton. Three shots on target for both sides, but... Uh, Liverpool boss or Liverpool Leicester boss the possession with 64% at this point in time Everton sit in 17th place on 29 points Leicester in 9th on 41 um, not the result that either team were looking for I would imagine no um, this was another one you got hooked again um, the Leicester double on you too um, yep yeah, I mean, these four games, a little bit of the Chelsea one I watched, but I can't really touch on the, the particulars of this game and how it went, but just going off the stats and what it means with the table and going forward for these teams, it's uh, kind of disappointing more so for Leicester, especially after dropping points in an identical situation against Newcastle only a couple of days prior. Um, it's tough. It's really tough, um, especially as a manager to really... I don't know. I I don't know how you go about um, training that and just talking about that. Just closing games out. Um, Leicester have dropped 19 points now from winning positions in the league this season, which is third worst um, behind Southampton and Newcastle being the other one, surprisingly. But um, yeah, I don't know how you go about on the train, go talking on the training pitch and work those things out. That's just a mental thing. And and uh, that's on the players more so than the manager. But um, for Everton, I said I think a point here would be massive for them, and it, it has, and it keeps them on that four point cushion from Burnley. Um, it kind of goes back to that matchup where they did lose to Burnley three two. That might ultimately bite them in the butt, but um, we'll wait to see. I mean, Everton have a tough game, a tough schedule to close. Their next two are against Liverpool and Chelsea. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they do. We've seen them get points against teams we didn't think they would against uh, United, who now at this point isn't surprising, I guess. We talk about them not having an identity, but um, compared to Everton, Everton have a purpose and a goal in mind just to stay in the league now, um, whereas United don't really have a an idea of what they want. But um, yeah, um, disappointing for both teams here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, just a few more before we get into our previews. We had Newcastle taking on Crystal Palace today at St. James Park. Newcastle with a 1-0 victory. Miguel Almiron being the only scorer in the game. He scored in the 32nd, got himself on the score sheet for the first time in quite some time. Um, Newcastle with a much-needed uh, three over Crystal Palace, who are close to them in the table. 13 shots for Newcastle, four of those on target with 36% of uh, the possession in the game. 10 shots, two shots on target for Palace. In terms of lineups, 
Things were a little bit different here for Palace. Uh, odds on Edward getting the odd start here up top with Connor Gallagher, Zaha, and Elise playing in a three behind him. Schlupp and Kuyate in the middle of the park and then defensively playing the same as they always do. But um, Newcastle, you know, same as last week with Shelby behind Wood. Almiron with Guimaraes in the middle of the park and then St. Max up top with Jolinson behind same defensive lineup as last week for them as well. Great three points for Newcastle. Uh, their form is absolutely sensational at this point. Um, had a, a little bit of a tough run of form where they had a couple losses in a row, but they're back to winning ways. Three wins on their last five on 40 points in 11th place. Uh, three spots above Crystal Palace, who are on 37. So this was a six-pointer, and uh, all six go to Newcastle. Yeah, it's tough um, for Palace. They're back on this little wishy-washy pattern now. Two wins, two draws, two defeats. Um, I think it's also tough coming off of a disappointing FA Cup loss to Chelsea. Um, they went in with a lot of excitement around the game, uh, especially the fans there. Um, the FA Cup's been brutal to them over the past five to six years. Um, they've gotten deep into these tournaments and can't find a way to finish strong and it's it's um obvious why not they're competing against the most affluent clubs and it's tough to compete at that level but um getting just getting that point is tough in itself so um not having as much rest as they'd like going into this game um and it hurts uh it puts them in a position in the table that they're still they're still a they're only three points off like tenth right there, uh, and how some of the team some of these some of these teams are playing it's they can make up that ground not easily but um I think Vieira still they've done a really nice job with the team that he's molded together, um and uh, they should be proud of that as for Newcastle here I think um they go out with with pretty much the same lineup they did against Leicester and they got the job done again in a very similar fashion. Um, we, we talk about possession. They, they don't care to have the ball that much. Um, they're slowly developing and bringing in players that are going to change the style. They'll, they'll have more of the ball and be able to play with it more, but, um, they're just not there yet. So they're going to close the year out how, um, how they started when Eddie Howe came in and it's been working for them. So nice to see them get three points here. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh boy. All right, and then today's game. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 4. Eddie and Katia opened the scoring in the 13th minute. Just feels weird saying it because it just is never said. Uh, Timo Werner getting on the score sheet in the 17th. Uh, that was a, a crafty little finish by him. Got a little bit of a deflection, drew things level. Smith Rowe in the 27th, uh, Azpilicueta in the 32nd, another from Nketiah in the 57th, with which was just a cleanup goal, you know, just terrible defending from Alain Sar. Um, and, you know, um, Conte tracked back and was trying, but ultimately I think that one falls on, on Sar. And then uh, a bit of a shithousery uh, penalty in the 92nd, which makes me feel kind of dirty because I just don't think we needed it. Um, Arsenal at this point, were probably going to win the game. I guess it's nice to have an insurance goal, but uh, dirty pen, VAR missed it too. 
uh, Saka just hooked himself and, and went down with uh, the defending Chelsea player. And it just, it shouldn't be a penalty. Um, I'd be really upset if that was called against Arsenal. But VAR exists to make sure that sort of thing doesn't happen. Uh, Saka should probably have been booked himself for simulation. Not a guy that I'm critical of very much. Uh, I guess you're just trying to play the rules of the game, but when there's VAR involved, I just think VAR should be catching that. Uh, but ultimately, I think Arsenal were actually better on the day. Didn't hold a lot of possession, but were extremely sharp in the box, knew what they wanted to do, didn't dawdle with their chances. Chelsea defended very poorly. Um, don't necessarily know if it was the player's fault. I think this one falls a lot on uh, double T, actually, because putting Saar in there with Reese James at center back uh, alongside Christensen is just just not the call. Uh, Reese James is a tremendous wingback. I think Aspi should have been slotted one behind, played uh, right center back, and then Reese James should have been out on the uh, <clears throat> on the wing because he's so good going forward. And when he did get switched up there, he was awesome. They they had a couple really good balls in. Alonso had a couple chances where I think he could have put one away. Um, that took a great touch after a cross um, that came from like the middle third of the pitch. Um, but blew it over the bar, just couldn't control it uh, on the shot. I don't know, man. Timo Werner seems to be back to me. Uh, one of the stories out of this game that I thought was hilarious is that Lukaku is quite literally finished. He's done. Um, I don't think you'll be seeing him in a Chelsea kit next year, but this is a great result for Arsenal. I mean, they needed it so much. What happens when I go against Arsenal is they proved me wrong, and they did that here. This was uh, a really just... Well-fought team win. Uh, defensively, not their best effort, but when they put up these goals, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think that's two in a row now. We lost to Arsenal at home. Yep. Uh, disappointing there. But um, yeah, you mentioned the penalty at the end. I think that was just a bitter pill to swallow at the end of the game. I'm more so upset with the VAR decision. Yeah, it was I bad. Don't, I don't understand some of these calls with you have all these angles and just the consistency of these calls. We go back to the the Champions League game against Madrid where the ball comes up and grazes Alonso's finger and is ruled um, as a handball. Um, and we come to this and just common sense, like, yeah, why would... As Piliqueta not even look at the ball being crossed in, um, it just doesn't make sense to me. And you get the angles, and it's so apparent. It's just very upsetting. And just the way the game ended wasn't how it should have. But um, the result, I'm fine with us losing. But just the way that game ended, um, if I'm you, I'm happy because goal differential is going to be massive to close this year because you're eight behind Tottenham there. Yeah. Uh, um, and you guys need to make up your ground wherever you can. So I guess that's one positive for you there. But um, once again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I look at the, the, the lineups here comparing-wise. Arsenal come out in what they've been playing all year with almost identically the same players. Yep. Just you slot in Aonene and, and uh, Nuno Tavares in there instead of... Um, Instead of Cedric or or Xhaka there or, or um, Tierney, who's been out hurt as well. Um, whereas Chelsea, 
I mentioned the Palace game in the FA Cup where we're in the same situation. Obviously, we were the other team in the game, and um, not everybody's fully fit, and that's that's obviously easy to understand where these guys are playing 60 matches a year and you can't physically expect these guys to play every single damn game no so that's where your depth needs to come in clutch and we talked about arsenal not having the depth but they're out they are only in the premier league they're out of every single other cup they haven't been in europe so they've been able to go 100 percent um full squad every week in these games um, pretty much. Whereas Chelsea, we have no Thiago Silva at the start. Christensen picks up a knock again. Um, we talked about um, Mulling Sar. Um, it seems like every big game that comes up, um, three three out of four times, he's going to make a big mistake and be exposed for the most part. I think ideally, like Arsenal heavily focused on going down that uh, our left flank, their right flank with Saka. Yep. For most of the build-up, because Alonso is not the best one-on-one defender, and then when you pair him up with Sar there, who's young, obvious. Um, I'm okay with people making mistakes, but just consistently making these mistakes over and over, you're playing for one of the bigger clubs in the league. So there's going to be have more heavy criticism on you when you make these mistakes. So um, it's tough there. And yeah, you mentioned the Reese James thing. They they've been trying him out there at that right CB spot. Um, and he does contribute a lot more when he plays the wing back role. It's very apparent. Um, and Tuchel does make these changes live, like all the other good managers. They do make changes, but yeah, I think the most frustrating thing is Lukaku. Man, you give him an hour, and he does nothing. He makes all these runs. I don't even think it's fully on him. It's just the system around him. Just, just, just it doesn't suit him. And when he does put the effort in on make these runs, he's not making the best runs every time, but. He is going out there and doing his best um, when it comes to committing to these runs and putting in the effort. But whenever the ball's coming, he just never gets it, it seems like. And when he does, it's not to how he wants it. Um, whenever he wants it long, they're playing it to him. And whenever he wants it um, short, they're playing it long. So um, it's frustrating. And it's it's uh, obvious that Werner and Havertz off the bench here play more to Tuchel's idea. We talk about Klopp with bringing in players that suit the manager's philosophy and whatnot, and we we know, I mean, from the start, we've seen Lukaku and Tuchel, they haven't been eye-to-eye on most things um, when it comes to the team and his individual role in the squad as well. Um, Tuchel has said, like, he they, they want, they, they're they okay with him staying in that. It just comes down to him as a person wanting to commit to the project and, and be there long-term, and I think it's just a complete waste of money. We talk about Ronaldo going to United as a marketing move. I think at this point, it's similar. It just doesn't make any sense. And you could say it's too early to jump the gun, but the guy's at a point of his career where he's in the prime form of his life. He's in his late 20s. Um, He's got a family, kids. Um, I don't see him wanting to move constantly over and over. So it's either he's going to stay here or move on to probably his last spot. But um, I just don't know. It's just one of those games where you're very upset with how it ended. And, and um, they did compete. We Timo is scoring consistently now the last couple games and competitions in Europe and in the Prem. And it's nice to see. But um, we're getting to the point in the year where... Um, we're giving up this cushion now 
with with Tottenham and Arsenal right up our right up our behinds, and we don't have an ideal schedule to end the year. Um, we still have United, West Ham, Wolves, and Leicester, all those teams in the top half. So it's not going to be the easiest way to close, but um, yeah, it's just one of those games where you're um, just upset with how the system is, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, tough, Credit man. to Arsenal. I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah. It, but like you said, you know, gold differential is important for sure, but um, I feel like I'm pretty objective. Like it's a, It's a nasty way to win, though, at the end there. Like that, it felt cheap, and I felt Chelsea applied so much pressure at the end there. Like it's not impossible for them to get a third goal and and draw yeah. things. You know, it, it's just I don't know. I don't like to see stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I guess it's good to take three points. This was, if you ask me, what game would you take the three points in in our last four? This would be like four on the list. I would have never expected it. So, um, really important three points and. St. Saint Totteringham's Day, you know, I think it's already probably come and gone. Um, but maybe we'll maybe the holiday comes twice, you know. Maybe maybe we see it happen again. I don't know. Tottenham are a mess. So um that fourth place spot is uh certainly up for grabs. Okay. That is it for our oh no, was there was it City and Brighton? Yeah, that's the last one. Oh, okay. Um I mean, it went the way we all thought. Went how we thought, right? Mara's in the 53rd, Foden in the 65th on a deflection. Silva wraps it all up in the 82nd, and Brighton doesn't nearly get a shot on target. So, exactly what we thought. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's... Unstoppable. They keep keep that streak going, and... Um, They rotate a couple players in there. We We get Bernardo playing the false nine, and... They don't have to fully exert KDB. They can rest him a bit. They get the result there. Uh, we saw the return of Ruben Diaz coming off the bench. So now he's back. Their their main pairing there between Laporte and Diaz or Stones, whoever you prefer. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brighton held strong in the first half. I mean, that's what the goal was, to just grind it out for our draw and it was looking good, but um, yeah, it was just one of those things where that first goal goes in and just the morale just dies. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, that's it for our um, recap. Uh, lost a little bit of steam there. I did towards the end. I have this like sore on the inside of my mouth. You ever get like a canker sore? Again. Again, yeah, a week or two. Ago. I've, I have, I don't know what it is. Like every time the season changes, I get them. Like, it, and it hurts so bad. And I've been like rinsing and like taking all these vitamins and shit to try and like get it to go away, and it's just literally not working. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm having a tough time keeping like, like forming some words. <laughs> but, yeah, it sounds nasty. <laughs> it's not great. Um, all right, let's move into these uh previews. Where are we going to do the cutoff so I know where uh, from Thursday to Monday? Okay, all right, cool. Uh, we have Burnley taking on Southampton tomorrow at 2 45 p.m. Today was a packed day, tomorrow, just one game. I'm going to take a flyer and take Southampton straight up. 
Um, can see this game being slow and tiresome, but uh, I like Southampton to come out firing. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that as a flyer as much. I think that's. I think that's where the favorite's going to be. I think Southampton. They get a a nice big win against Arsenal. There, big morale booster, cutting off a bad stretch of games, and you're playing a Burnley team who have a couple guys out, key players, and um, it should be tight. But um, I think at the end of the day, we're going to go with a little draw action. I think Burnley's going to just scrape a point here. All right, cool. Um, Arsenal versus United on April 23rd. I am so, so excited for this game. I'm taking Arsenal straight up. I would love a 3-0 victory here. I think this game is at the Emirates. So United will probably show up. And Arsenal is a favorite. um, But I think that they actually come through for me. I think they win. Yeah, I mean, they're they're going to going to be without a lot of their heavy hitters here. Um, Varane, Shaw, Pogba, Fred. There's going to be a lot of gaps. Ronaldo's expected to return here. Um, so that's a boost for them offensively. But just uh, I just can't, in my right mind, pick United to get anything here. I think Arsenal will grab the three. Um, just just the... It just comes down to that that culture and this the goal at the end of the the light at the end of the tunnel. I just think the players at United want the season to be over, whereas Arsenal are trying to get back into Europe. So uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the Gunners there to start off the Saturday with three points. Yeah. Um, okay, we have Leicester City versus Aston Villa up next. God, this one smells, but I think Leicester actually take three points. They have to get a win here soon. I like it. Uh, it can't come up against a better opponent, really. I mean, yeah. Villa has been pretty shit. They're on a four-game losing streak. Um, and the more I look at it, the more I want to take Villa here because just Leicester have just been the the uh, the goodwill of the league so far. They just give stuff away for free. Um, and I think Aston Villa are fucking hungry to get some points and. They've gotten a rest here, an extended rest um, after the their Liverpool game got postponed because they were in the FA Cup. So extended rest here, more time on the training ground will be beneficial for them. Um, but I think a draws will be due here. I think it's just going to be a, a little 1-1 draw. All right, cool. Um, City versus Watford up next. That's going to be a City pick for me. Don't think we need to go into it much. Yeah, I think easy man city here. It's just uh, one of those games where it's going to be very problematic for Roy. Uh, Man City have played Watford 13 times. They've won 11 and drawn twice. So, uh, yeah, I think just uh, a 12th win there for City will be due. Okay, Newcastle versus Norwich City up next. Uh, A couple, you know, maybe a couple months ago, I would have said this one could be a tough pick, but... With Eddie Howe and Newcastle the way they're playing right now, I just think Newcastle are a couple steps above Norwich, uh, two or three steps ahead of them, really. So I'm going to take Newcastle on this one. I think it's a route. I'm interested to see the, the dynamic of this game when it comes to possession because both teams rank in the bottom five when it comes to possession. Um, they don't they don't like to hold the ball well. Um, and even in the previous matchup back in... Um, 
back in November. These guys tied 1-1. Norwich had 69% possession. Um, different time, obviously, in Newcastle were dog shit. But um, still, I mean, the, Norwich is dominating the game. Um, it should be different here with Bruno Guimaraes, Jolington converting in the middle. They're, the middle of their park is very strong now. Um, so yeah, I think, I think just to be, just to follow my gut here, I think I'm going to go with Newcastle winning here. Okay. Um, all right. Brentford versus Tottenham up next. I think Tottenham get back on track. Like we said, do for a slip. Then they have a couple good games in a row. So I'm going to take Tottenham. Um, yeah, I have to agree with you here. I think Tottenham getting the three points. I don't think Brentford can keep this run up forever i mean they're they're flying right now five wins out of their last six it's brilliant from them but um um i mean my my straight instinct was a draw here but um i think tottenham are gonna bounce back a little bit here um okay we have burnley versus wolves up next this is a tough pick for me but i'm gonna go with wolves I haven't picked them in quite some time, and the reason that I'm going with Wolves is they're just going to have so much more rest than Burnley. Burnley playing tomorrow and then playing on Sunday as well. So I think Wolves, having had some time to rest, get back into the way things go, get their fitness up, I think that they're going to come out firing, and I'd like them to win this one 1-2-0. Um, yeah, I I'm not too sure on Wolves right now. I mean, I think a lot of the times we think when you have more rest, it's more beneficial towards you. But um, they're still going to be without Ruben Neves. Yep. Um, a huge hole in the middle of the park for them. Um, but um, I think I'm going to go with a a wild upset here with Burnley winning and putting more pressure on Everton in the table. Okay. Uh, interesting pick. Chelsea yeah. versus West Ham up next. This is another really... No, nah, this is an easy pick, man. Chelsea, they got it. They got it for sure. They got to lock third place up. It's not impossible for Chelsea to slip into that fourth place spot. They are on 62 points, but a poor run of form and a good run of form from Arsenal or Tottenham could see them slip. So I think they know they need this one. I think Tuchel will go out there and actually put together a lineup uh, and a formation that's going to actually ensure that they get a win instead of, you know, playing a flyer like they did against Arsenal. And I'm going to take them. I'm really confident in Chelsea next week, or this weekend. Uh, I mean, we lost to these guys back in December 3-2. This was that Masuaku goal in the 87th. That was absolute dog shit. He hit it across, and the wind just put it in the goal. Um, I can't forget that. That was so retarded. But, um... Yeah, I think it's going to be a tight matchup. It's going to be really close until the very end. Um, but I, I, I do have to back the boys, and they have to get three points here. It's it's a must because um, Arsenal and Tottenham, one of them is due to win three points um, in, the, in their matchups, respectively. Okay. Uh, Brighton versus Southampton up next. This is a really tough game for me to pick. Um, going to take a draw. Think it's a nil nil or a one one. Don't see this one going to uh, either team. I I really like the draw. Yeah, I've never seen more of a draw pick in my life. Yep. Um, I yeah, I think I just got to keep it there before I talk myself out of it. Yep, that was exactly my thought. 
Uh, okay, Liverpool versus Everton. Uh, Merseyside Derby. Liverpool winning a route. I mean, this may be the nail in the coffin for Everton. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It's just one of those things where we thought Man United was outclassed. I mean, I think I think Everton's going to show more fight and more spirit than United will 100%, but just the pure class difference is, is unbelievable here, so I'm going to have to go with the Reds. All right, cool. Uh, and then we have Crystal Palace versus Leeds United. This one will be fun. I'm going to take... Yeah. That'll be a really fun game. I can see that being like a high-scoring draw. Um, ah, that's a tough pick. This might be my hardest one of the week. Um, yeah. yeah, that's really tough. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Palace here. I think I think leagues leads are gonna come out hot and really push them to the limit. But um, I think a two-one result here for Palace. I'm gonna go with Leeds. Yeah, I for the fair. same exact reason that you just gave. I think that they are really gonna push Palace, and I don't know if Palace are gonna be able to respond. They've had a couple couple tough fixtures now. Um, not a great performance against Chelsea in the FA Cup semi. They are uh, they have two losses in their last two, and I think Leeds uh, have three wins in their last four with a draw in yeah. between. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Leeds on form and. Um, I think they come out. I do think that that's a good game. I'm I'm excited to watch that one. Yeah, and that closes out our our pick'em here for this week. It does. We give you guys about an hour and fifteen this week. So, uh, want to thank you for listening in. I'm gonna go get something to eat. Um, that concludes episode one twenty nine. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post Twenty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I've been slacking, but I'm trying my best. So. Uh, make sure you check us out over there. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you want to listen to past episodes of the show, make sure you follow us and uh, stay up to date on all new episodes. I appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next week.